ta 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 Hey guys. Going for the hat trick, as someone says. I've been on a roll. Not going to lie, I'm feeling good. The last couple days I have felt on the beam. Uh, hoping to make it three for three. Uh, don't want to psych myself out, but just want to admit that I'm aware that I feel like I'm getting to something and I'm trying to pull that thread as far as it'll go before I kind of lose focus, which will be inevitable, and then I have to talk about squibs for another week and a half before I can get back to it. I guess I'll start by uh, addressing something that is on people's minds, especially in the wake of, first, of course, the Kenosha shooting, the Kenosha demonstrations, the Kenosha shooting again by the 17-year-old Groiper. And I do think that people who are freaking out about a civil war being on the horizon really need to stop and just try to ponder as just a discrete fact the reality that the perpetrators of our, of our contemporary Greensboro massacre, which was carried out as was remembered by card-carrying Nazis and Klan members, uh, was done by a 17-year-old kid whose mom dropped him off. But then, of course, the, the strike, the NBA strike. One of, outside of the bubble of politics, something in the rest of the world, in this case sports, validates the movement. That feels like, that feels like getting a goddamn, uh, getting a, the paddles to the chest with a defibrillator. It's like, oh my god, Yes. And so people are saying general strike. People have been kind of muttering about general strike for a while now, but now people are saying, fuck yeah, general strike. And I've talked, I talked yesterday about how that is, it's not just a misnomer. It's genuinely potentially dangerous if it leads people to expectations that the event can't uh, manage. And that like a mass demonstration with the intent of building specifically labor-based organizing around, I'm sorry, not just police brutality, but about economic issues that undergird the system that produces racism and produces uh, police violence, but that can be broadened to include concerns of other people who are suffering and struggling right now, who have not gone to college, maybe, and do not absorb the, the etiquette of that social ritual. Um, and that's one thing, but like, that's a thing that you do with the recognition that if you do a good enough job over time, it could lead to strikes. It could lead to strikes. 
Because that, like, the general strike is, like, an idea fix on the left. It always has been. Because it is the end, it's the end result of your, if your job is organizing the working class, the end of that is a general strike. Because you don't have to do anything else. You have full organization and full awareness. You have a class that has come from being of itself to being in itself. What Marx talks about when he says that there's one thing to have an existing social class created by a mode of production. It is another to have one whose experiences bring them in alignment in such a way that they are able to create their own class-aware project within the greater capitalist system of classes. And, and, uh, and that's the move. And, and that, even if that's not how things happen, even if that pressure, even if that movement is interrupted by some events, some change in conditions that require a change in strategy and lead to a different outcome that is moving towards socialism, that's a second question. But that's the driving, that has to be the, the, the end point. It's the teleological end point of organizing the, the working class. But there's an argument to be made that you couldn't do that without rising your, moving your tent, tendrils up throughout the system and throughout different classes and certainly the intermediate classes in order to keep them connected to do that. And I think that's true. And that's why things like demonstrations, and that is why organizing along axis of racial and gender oppression is necessary and unavoidable. Because that's the lived experience of people in capitalism. Race and gender and those things are lived experiences in the way that class is not. And that's something people have to confront. It sucks for the people who, would, who, who are annoyed, and in some cases rightly so, for the, the double-edged sword that gender and, and, and racial uh, issues are. And they are. They are double-edged. And that makes people anxious. And a lot of people want to resolve that anxiety by just saying, well, no, no, then we just ignore it. You can't ignore it. It is literally the lived reality of, ra- of class in this country. And it has to be engaged with. The question of how to engage with it is separate. But it seems like we're past the point where people should be arguing about nomenclature and about what in your heart should you put first. Because it really does seem like a lot of this boils down to who, or who has a pure heart. A class reductionist is bad because they put class first in their heart. Because it very rarely, in my experience ends up boiling down to genuine agreements about disagreements about strategy or tactics. It's about tone. It's about theoretical questions. Because you're not asking what's effective, you're asking what is in your heart. Because that's what we're doing. We're sorting the good people from the bad people. Because we think we're at a point where that matters. Because we're, we're, we're ensorcelled. We are not at a point where we can sort, as I've said. We're at a point where we have to gather. And that's the most important thing. And that means... And that's, the double, that's a double-edged sword right there, because it means class has to be the basis. That means we have to organize around class. I'm sorry. It has to be the way people consider their activism. It's the most effective place for it to be done, too. But it means that you can't do just class, or even be perceived as class first. You have to integrate it to the point that they're not perceived, so that race and gender issues are not perceived as being subsidiated. Because people live race and gender. They live distrust from white people and from men because of lived experiences that are put through a racial and a gender lens. And you have to deal with that fact. And that means you cannot be, your movement to get people who are alienated along those axes, and it's a lot of them and you need them, you can't just expect them, well, they should know that class is where race comes from and gender problems come from. 
They don't any more than people who don't go to college know the 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 uh, social basis of like social liberalism, the idea of like equality and all that, and how it's important to live that in your life. They don't get that either. Neither they don't, they have not accepted your priors. That's the big problem: is that sorting requires finding people who accept your priors and people who don't. But it assumes people who are are aware of the choice they're making. We're talking about people, the unorganized, who are not even aware that that choice exists. They have to be confronted as they live. And that means that race and gender issues cannot be seen as subsidiary. That means it's the job of the movement to find a way to square that circle as much as it sucks to try to do and as much as the discussion of it online and the way that it's co-opted by bad faith actors trying to use it as a deliberate wedge to break up the left makes it hard to do so. You got to do it. It's the only way forward. Everyone's trying to have their goddamn cake and eat it too, which is only possible because of what degree of their political life is invested in a symbolic battle. So anyway, this is all a divert. I realize I'm on a very long tangent now and I got to wheel back to where I was. I was talking about how we should be moving towards a position where there is a general strike, and that means we have to understand that if we do a big demonstration, like, that's what people are imagining, a big demonstration. You tweet up, general strike, and everybody shows up. I mean, most people are not crucial to the work process, the flow of goods. They're not working at Amazon fulfillment centers, and they're working, working at big backs retailers. They're not essential. Most people aren't essential. And those people who go out who are unessential they will believe that they're contributing to a strike. They will feel like they're part of a strike. They'll think that's what a strike is, which inhibits your ability to turn that energy into actual effective organizing, which will lead to and include as a broad strategy, but include partially strikes. That will be harder to do if people think they already did a strike. So I saw this amazing tweet that said that someone was just... And this is an example, by the way, of one of the reasons that it won't work is that because it's just people going out independently, all of the pervading fantasies, all the pervading bugaboos, all the brain poison that we get on the internet is going to be ported directly outside with no barrier. Because remember, we're not organizing together to do anything. Nobody's like... Or a few people, maybe some people will, but most people are just going to be like, maybe at most, hey, I'm going to the, I'm going to the general strike. You coming? That's going to be the most coordination they do. Most people, not everybody, there will be organizers, obviously. I'm saying the vast majority. That will be their involvement with it. Is hey. Uh, so their action is not going to be like... I mean, the Bucks, they got out there. They're obviously not like emblematic of the actual working class for a number of reasons, uh, but they are workers technically... And if they didn't show up, there was no game. It was, it was that simple. Uh, and a lot of people are going to involve themselves, and they're not going to have even a ability to even come close to the levels of power. Everybody who is un unemployed, and there's now, what, 25% more of them than there were six months ago, are not going to be able to withdraw anything. Uh, students aren't really going to withdraw anything essential. Uh, uh, people who work in the creative class in general... Everybody on OnlyFans and Patreon, everybody, uh, 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 even, everybody who fills in like the make-work jobs that David Graeber pulls out, administrative bullshit jobs, they're not going to... And here's the most important thing, though. Even if you are working and you are in an essential job, 
how many people would consider like I'm going to take how many people to how many people is the idea of like asking your boss for the general strike make sense? Too many. People will be like people will take off if they can afford to because they're acting by themselves, which means that they can get fired, which means they can be retaliated against because they are not all going out together. If the entire workforce walks out, especially if they put a picket line and don't let anybody in or they sit down, that is a chess, that's a chess piece knocked off the board for the circulatory system of capitalism. But if they all walk out, if, 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 first of all, they're not all going to walk out. They're not all going to walk out. Not everyone's on Twitter. Not everyone's as sure that a general strike is a good thing or even knows what that means. A lot of people don't know about this stuff, or they have vague and unformed and very often contradictory opinions about them. And they're not going to, eh, maybe I get fired. So they don't go. If you, few of you go, they'll fire your ass, which means even fewer of them will go. And even if they go, they're not, they're, not, they're not taking their labor out of the system that can't be immediately replaced. So it will not be a general strike in any sense. It will be a demonstration. And so it will bring with it all of everyone's brains with them. Everything they learned online. None of it will be, none of the inessential stuff, none of the, none of the propaganda, none of the ideology that has been accumulated around them by being online and fighting online over these things and trying to virtue signal to each other across the void of the internet for validation. That's all going to be there. And so it's going to immediately mean that you're undermining the ability to do a coordinated anything, let alone a demonstration. Because I saw someone say, I smell, I smell general strike in the air. Just a reminder uh, that people should uh, prioritize black lives over other issues. And I saw somebody else saying, and it's like, okay, so we've already, you're assuming a thing out of the ether, and then you're creating a, uh, an, some sort of loyalty test. People are going to have to say yes or no to whatever you're saying, even if it's as vague as that, because it's very, very vague. What do you mean? Like centering. Like this is all emotional, interpersonal language. This isn't the language of movements. This is the language of therapy. Sun's getting in my eyes, guys. And so I did a tweet. I did a little jokey joke tweet where I said, uh, if you smell, if you find yourself smelling burnt toast, uh, orange peels, or uh, a brewing general strike, you might be having a stroke and should consult your physician. And a lot of people yelled at me. And specifically what they said to me was, they said, oh, so we should do nothing. We should give up. And I hope that by now, in my just talking about like the way that the libido shapes our relationship to politics, I hope you can see why that is a wildly false dichotomy and why they sustain it. Because anything less than the apocalyptic confrontation of their dreams and of their fucking gonads is boring. And it might not work. And there's TV I could be watching and there's tweeting I could be doing. They're not aware that they're making this calculation, but they are. And so it has to be apocalyptic. Because anything I tell them about what they could be doing in their community, and like I said, I couldn't say specifically, I would have to know where they live and what their context is because there is no generalized answer right now. It's grasping in the dark. I would say, try doing that. 
And whatever that is, it's probably going to involve going to meetings. It's going to involve maybe going door to door, talking to strangers, uh, doing shit work for no money. Or you could walk out your door one day, and at the end of it, capitalism's gone. Which door are you picking? If you think they're equally likely in your head. The only reason, and the thing is, if, you're, if you are not acting from self-deception, if you're not acting from gonadal instinct, you will recognize, okay, yeah, no, this fun, and I would go to the demonstration, but I'm not going to turn it into the apocalyptic confrontation of my fantasies. And that means maybe you'll, affect the, you'll act about it more effectively. Like, one of the reasons people are willing to say stuff like, yeah, 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 general strike, we're having one. By the way, it better be focused on racism, is that you're assuming a level of, uh, of uh, efficacy that is completely in your head and fantastic. You're like, you've already in your head, okay, we have the general strike, we have capitalism on the rocks, now we better talk about uh, how uh, intersectional our constitution's going to be. No, we're not anywhere near that. We are so far from that. You're smelling nothing in the air. And that's only sustained by the fantasy that this is the big, a big apocalyptic confrontation. If you recognize it as a baby step forward, then you will have baby step expectations. And you won't make massive apocalyptic demands of loyalty to your point of view. D determining the fucking, who's in the book of life and who's uh, uh, the wicked and the righteous that you're judging from this fucking mound of olives. But why can't we conceive of that? Because it doesn't get us going. We want to have that. Ooh, we want to get out there and we want it. We want it. Even if we get annihilated, honestly, and it brings in fascism, that has its own pleasure. Being right and being oppressed and having freedom and the anxiety that freedom brings with it removed. That's in there. That's in that Reichian wheelhouse. Uh, and... So if I want to get more specific, a more specific critique uh, of the concept, I just want to note that there is a... There needs to be a resolution in people's minds. The kind of people who think that a general strike is possible and needs to be uh, emphasized and in those terms. What they think, it, how it would work. Not into, even in terms of how it would be organized, because like I said, they've already gone in their head past organizing, so you can't talk to them about it. They don't see it. It's invisible. It doesn't appear on their fucking visual spectrum. In their head, we're already organized to, enough to win. And so when you talk to them about it, it's like, uh, it's like fucking Snuffleupagus before they made him into a normal part of the Sesame Street, when only Big Bird could see him. You, but only he's real, and you, no one else can see him, even though it's really there. Like that, then it's been like occluded by ideology, and only the guy with the fucking they live spectacles can see him. And you're yelling, "Look at fucking Snuffleupagus!" And everyone else is like, "What's even there?" They're not thinking about if we can get there. They've already assumed we can get to a critical point of conflict with the state, to a point of its legitimacy being in doubt. Would I not? I mean, is that? It seems to me to be a fair definition of the of the end state that this is supposed to bring about now if that happens there are two resolutions there is one where the state backs down the state uh, decides at the critical point not to escalate to final uh, confrontation but walks back from the precipice by doing enough to get 
the demonstrators, the strikers, to demobilize. If, and the other one is, of course, they won't. They've reached a point where they will not step down. The demands are too threatening to them and to their existing order to accede to. They know, like, war is, war is not preferable to peace, but war is preferable to these guys taking over on the conditions that they have now. We need to renegotiate from a position of strength, which means we need to call their bluff about physical violence. And then it's up to the, the protesters to say, do we accept that our bluff has been called and step back, or do we decide that it wasn't a bluff and go all in? And then the contest is determined by strength. Now, I don't think it would ever get to that point because I don't think anyone would ever, from the point, if it got, first of all, wouldn't get to that point of conflict because there would not be enough sustained social pressure to keep that up. It would dissipate just over time. People, they want to go to lunch. If there's nothing coordinating their action, they will walk away, especially if it doesn't look like they're getting anywhere. So if it's enough to get to a point of crisis, the first sign, the real sign by, by the authorities will either be met by a climb down or defeat. And I can say that confidently. And if you want to argue that, then I, I don't know if we're on the same, we're living in the same porthole of, uh, uh, under, up of like metaphysical understanding of the world we live in. We're, we're vibrating at different frequencies. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying we can't really have a conversation on this topic. So that leaves winning by getting the state to back down. That means that you are not demand dismantling the state, you are not replacing it with a new socialist order. The current system of government, even if sp specific people in it are switched out, the structures persist. Not all of them. Anything that is extraneous to the, to the functioning, to the core functioning, can be offloaded one way or the other, politically or economically. Uh, the load-bearing members, though, they have to maintain, or else they wouldn't have won. I mean, that's what winning is, is maintaining what you, the, 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 maintaining the structure of your win state is winning, and the structure of your win state is, is this system. So that means you're making a deal. And that's not a bad thing. In fact, that's a good thing, because that is a kind of situation where you can stake a claim on a, building a new foundation that will put you in a position where the next time there's a critical conflict, you win. Like, give, like um, people say uh, the, 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 the working class really fucked up by backing the New Deal because it ended up making them lose. I don't agree with that. The New Deal was a fantastic deal for the working class broadly in the considering where they were coming from. Uh, it was revolutionary in, in the way that it, 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 it broke the, the civic relationship between uh, the state and the individual. It broke it. It founded a new social reality that was more progressive than the one that existed before it. And what that did is it created a much stronger working class, a working class that was th theoretically able, if crisis once again emerged in the system to once again confront capital, it could win. Now the point of crisis came. The point of crisis came in the 70s. The problem was, for other reasons, due to decisions made after the New Deal, labor was not in a position to win that conflict. And that's why we are where we are now. So getting to a deal is not a sellout and it's not a failure. It's, if you're doing a deal, it's because you have to do a deal and getting the best deal puts you in the best position for the future. And hey, if you really want things to happen quickly, I got good news for you. 
uh, I bet the next crisis, if we ever even get out of this one, is going to come a lot faster than the current one, uh, than the last ones have. Like, we're at a critical point where this cycle is speeding up. And you want, don't you want to be in the best possible position when that happens? So the question becomes, what demands are you making of the system to get you in a better position for the next battle? And I would say if they are primarily racial in, 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 in origin, if they're primarily about policing, then you might really get significant defunding of police. You might really get mass firings of abusive police officers and real oversight of police in the field. But because you're making a deal now, remember, I'm assuming you're making a deal, not that you won, you're not getting rid of policing. Policing has not been abolished. Because if you accept my premise that policing is a load-bearing structure of capitalism and neoliberalism, and I believe it is, it cannot be gotten away with in a win condition. And this is a win condition broadly for capital in that confrontation. Now, what else has happened? Have you strengthened bonds a little bit? You've given people an idea that things are possible, which is going to make them more motivated. But those ripple effects are going to be second order. Meanwhile, all of the gains you've gained are going to be clawed back in the form of more authoritarianism as conditions dis, uh, uh, decline. Which means if you've defunded the police, but you're, the police are still there, guess what? Here are military private uh, police. Here are drones. Uh, here is some technological patch to fill in where there can no longer be public consensus over being governed, which is what we've been slowly doing, is replacing the public uh, 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 will, the public acknowledgement of sovereignty necessary for the state to function with a technological coercion that doesn't require it. And that's one more strut replaced. Next crisis comes, you might, you might have more organizational capacity to get another strike going, but you have not created an engine for your movement. Other, you just had a splash that will ripple out, have some effects that linger, but will not hit the bedrock. If you're organizing around class issues, specifically labor and something like Medicare for All, like real things that cause dramatic changes in people's material conditions for the better and allow them ease of access to collaboration uh, and, and, and destiny fulfilling at work through labor and through unions. You will be in a situation where, and by the way, you would also, of course, have police fucking, uh, uh, you would have police reform as part of that. It might not be as much police reform as you would have gotten if that was your sole focus or top focus, but it would be, uh, it would be in concert with a significant bedrock shift that means that if another crisis comes, you are in a better position vis-a-vis -vis whatever that police force is as opposed to a weaker movement against a more, less formally composed military or uh, a paramilitary police force, but a subsidiary private one that's able to fill in the gap. And then worst of all, if you're taking a deal from them and it doesn't involve material conditions changing for people, which changing the police would not, it would reduce Hypothetically, but once again, I'm saying, if you haven't gotten rid of capitalism in a moment of crisis, police power is still going to be there. It has to be there. So the changes are going to be almost by definition cosmetic, and over time they will wear away. And what will have been the point? And it will mean that the next crisis means not only have you not built rhizomatic networks that could be brought up and, and used to mobilize during a crisis moment and to, to, to press against 
like the worst outcomes of the, of the current system, people are discouraged. Because what happened last time? Does that make sense? I've only said rhizomatic like three times. I keep getting the sun. I'm getting too much sun. I guess this is all right. On a related point, uh, it occurs to me that I might have, over the course of my discussions about fascism on here, I might have given short shrift to the argument that we are in a, in a uh, pre-fascist moment and that fascism is an accurate description of what is to come. And it involves stipulating, as I have, I think, pretty well argued, that we are not in the social conditions for mass fascism to emerge, but that fascism did not really win in the streets anyway. Fascism won through leg uh, existing political structures. It won by winning elections. It became the largest party in the Reichstag, and at a certain point, the establishment conservatives like Hindenburg and von Papen saw the, pot the, uh, the su success of the Nazi party in mobilizing what existed in the in the lab, in the uh in the po uh, like political population uh sufficient mass participation to get them to that point and then they said these guys are our only hope against the left and they put them in power thinking they could control them and they got uh turned around because of the momentum of like the forces involved and what they had unleashed uh and the and and then the argument would be no fascism isn't going to win because of street battles but if the political uh, near, air, the, the political corridor of action in America is so much shrunk compared to the 30s in Europe, which it has been. Well, that still exists, and that's still the political territory we have, and that's still the way that like formal power is distributed. So, couldn't if the if the not if the basically it's if the if the people who vote for de Republicans, i.e., older white people. Uh, like the, the the middle bourgeois who were the social base of fascism and then whoever around that like lumpen proletarians and you know and and the re and people devoted to the, to uh you know a narrow reading of their economic interests if they go along with the fascist program then when we do have the authoritarian crackdown it will have every facet of fascism uniforms weird runes and ethnic and religious and gender-based cleansing. And I think that that is the only way that I could see any argument made that like we would get fascism through uh, anything, get anything like the original version of fascism in anything like the method that they got it. I would say that is, if it happens, that's the way. And so if that is your premise, I accept it. The problem is, though, is that the majority of people I see making that argument, and the, the, the only reason, like I've said, the only reason I think this matters is because it affects strategy. It doesn't matter. It's, it's absolutely academic. It is angels on a pin. 
That's why people like doing it so much, because it's fun. And also, most of all, it provides a way to separate good people from bad people, because that's what everyone's doing. If you care about fascism enough, you're a good person. If you think it's a bullshit concept, you actually are fascist. The same way people, kind of, people who agree with me on this point will go, uh, if you talk about fascism all the time, you're a bad person, and if you don't, you're a good person. That's its main social function right now, is just sorting people online. And, if it, and whatever comes, is, it doesn't matter what form it's going to take. If it's, if it's just the state collapsing the political space into authoritarian technological control and like a neo-feudalism, it doesn't matter what costume it's wearing. So the only reason this matters is how it relates to strategy. And the people I see talking about fascism as the, fixation, as the idea fix, they have essentially the strategy to fight it that the third period Marxists of the common turn imposed on the German communists, or that, and I'm not going to say imposed, the Germans agreed with it, and they had good reason to, considering what happened in 1918, when it was the SDP that fucking created the Freikorps in the first place. You could see why they didn't trust the socialist left, the, soc- the social fascists, as they called them. Uh, but it was still a failed uh, strategy, by evidence of the fact that between the two parties, they had a bi- the ability to win. And you could argue, well, yeah, but those social fascists, they were really fascists the whole time. It's like, not until the very end, and they got suppressed too, which means there could have been an agreement. I think that there, that means that there, there could have been. That is one of those historical what-ifs that you can separate from some of the others where there was another outcome. They could have coordinated because they were, between the two of them, uh, the voting public majority, which means that they could have gotten to a point where they wanted the ballot box. I'm not saying they would have taken power by the ballot box. I am saying they would have reached a, a point where Weimar democracy would have been unsustainable to maintain capitalism, and that would have led to that conflict I was talking about earlier, but they could have won because they were united. That is the argument. But anyway, the third period's come intern, guys. Uh, the Thalman party said no collaboration with the social fascists. And they were wrong, but, like I said, they had reason to suspect the Social uh, Democratic Party. They had literally... They did kill Rosa. It's not... I mean, the guys who did it were basically proto-Nazis, but they were doing it because they'd been organized and paid by the Social Democratic Party. Friedrich Ebert, who I believe, hilariously enough, was a butcher uh, before he was a union leader and then in uh, the SDP uh, Defense Secretary. I'm sorry, Nosk was the Defense Secretary. Uh, Ebert was the uh, Chancellor. Anyway, they had a reason to suspect them but they fucked up, and the proof is in the pudding that they fucked up. So if we're in the same situation, facing roughly the same political and economic crisis and threat, and roughly the same array of forces, then shouldn't we not do what, this, uh, what they did? Because, like I said, they had every reason to suspect the SDP, and they also had the second biggest political party in Germany, and the Soviet Union just over the fucking uh, uh, the Urals. They were in a situation where they thought, hey, we could win this if it comes to a conflict. Let's fucking rumble. But these people are basically third, these people are third period come intern people without a party or a foreign uh, 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 ally. They're just a bunch of fucking people online and in orgs, but unorganized along any kind of uh, uh, party structure. And to me, that means that you are only interested in this question because not because you care about what works, but we care what will get you off. You care about the libidinal association with fascism. Because we talk, these guys will talk all the time about fascism. Fascism is the, is, is like, 
the aestheticization of politics. It's turning politics into, into coming. Forget reason. Forget uh, dealing with other people. Forget the negotiation and the slow boring of hard boards. How about some fast, lubricated thrusting into hard boards? Soft boards. Any kind of boards. Give it to me. Yeah, that's fascism. Well, so is fighting fascism. Not just that, but that's part of it. It's this, it activates the same sense of, not, of, 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 of apocalyptic confrontation and purity. Personal purity. Because here's the thing that you loathe, that you were fighting. Fascists feel the same way. And I'm saying is that it, it eventually you get a point where those social orders, if they, if they took enough of the... If, 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 that, if, that, if that feeling, if that erotic dance was effective enough, it was symmetrically enough distributed, let's say that, between fascists and anti-fascists, you'd eventually get to a point where the working class was fully anti-fascist, the state was fully fascist, and they would go to apocalyptic conflict with one another. The problem is we do not have anything like a symmetrical uh, array of forces. You have a, a right that is largely uh, as disorganized as the left, but has the massive advantage of being on broadly the same goals as, the, as power. Because unlike the Nazi party, they did not them see themselves as a third wave, really. They did not see themselves as a revolutionary pop movement. And that's the thing. Fascism was revolutionary in its own way. That was the energy of socialism it stole. It's like you need to get people a reason to come out. And how do you get, working how do you get uh, non-class conscious people to come out and rumble and stomp and fight instead of just passively observe politics? And it's to give it stakes. It's to give it anima. And that's what fascism does. It gives you a thing to hate. And so does anti-fascism. As a, as a organizing structure for your politics at this point. But anyway, like I was saying, is that that, has to get, that, that means that you have to feel like you're revolutionary. You have to feel like you're destroying a system. Because the system sucks. You don't, those people did not have the fantasy that a lot of people now on the right have, that there's any compatibility between capitalism and their preferred world. Because they were far enough, they were close enough to the Germany of their hearts, their grandparents' Germany, their great-grandparents' Germany. The Zormarch Germany. The Germany of fucking uh, Barbarossa and fucking uh, Arminius and Frederick the Great. They were closer to it than we are. We're completely atomized and, and sp spiraling into space. We're not hearing any of those echoes. Is that they knew that this system needed to be destroyed. And so they were a revolutionary force. And they did overthrow the current system. Like fascism at, its, at the end point was... Capitalism was subordinated by the end of that war. As, because uh, it was a revolutionary force. But of course, because it was a fascist nihilistic revolutionary force. It was not connecting humans together to generate the coming together of the fucking world spirit, self-consciousness of humanity as a fucking species. It stashed itself against the rocks suicidally because if it couldn't have that, it had to have annihilation, which that's the death spiral and the death drive of fascism. But these fascists are not really revolutionary, especially with Trump in power. They just want Daddy Trump and the current system that gives them a consumer economy where they get to pull their putt on the internet and they get to get seamless and amazon all the stuff that they de 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 deride is bug man stuff they still get that but they get to watch the fucking liberals get so trolled that they get thrown out of helicopters 
They go up to the cops who are enforcing what they should recognize if they're really fascist. They should recognize as a, and some of them do. I'll give credit to that uh, as this this capitalist deformed capitalist structure that destroys and annihilates human fucking dignity and cannot be redeemed. They would at least acknowledge that because that's the revolutionary heart that fascism stole from socialism. So they're on the side of power, which means that it comes to, if it ever becomes a conflict, they'll just come together and destroy you. Because there'll be a lot of working class people in that, on that side. There'll be a lot of working class people on that side. If your decision is you scream at people to support Black Lives Matter uh, until they call the cops or join uh, Stormfront, a lot of them are going to join Stormfront, especially if they didn't go to, go, uh, go to urban, uh, uh, like centers of creative uh, economy after going to college like you probably did. And they're going to be on the wrong side when the conflict comes instead of on your side because you did not organize the entire working class against the, the, the mechanistic uh, uh, techno structure of capitalism and its attending class allies. So that's why I say I have a mission of a general strike where we do the right thing and we turn it into an opportunity for development. And if, I, if that happens and I can participate and I can make that happen, I will. I don't want to just boo from the sidelines. I want to make the change I want to see in the world. So as, as dumb as the framing is, if it understands itself, even if, even if it calls itself a strike, although it really bothers me, I don't want to get too hung, too hung up on semantics and make that the excuse I don't act. If there is, seems to be some sort of understanding that it's really a demonstration, then maybe we could get, there would be reason to participate. But that's to be, that, I don't know. And I'm not going to make a fucking, uh, I'm not going to assume anything. You have to fucking make decisions in the, in, the, in the conditions you see, not the conditions you imagine. Because the condition, you can't make a decision about what to do about a future event until it's happening to you. What you can do is create the, the heuristics and you can create the worldviews and you can have the architecture of spirituality uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and a spirituality specifically that is in concert with your empirical observation of the world around you, and then you apply that to the current situation. You don't make a decision about it in advance because you don't know what it will look like. You can only do a schematic in your head ahead of time. But anyway, it's all in the air. I don't know. I just, I'm saying that's the, that's the whole thing I was trying to get at with the fucking strike thing. And I want to just say now, this is why I can never be a fucking fascist. This is why the Nazis were annihilated. That's why, even though I will say that it is a revolutionary movement, it is one that is nihilistic and all-consuming. It is a death drive. It is the death drive broken off from everything. It is, it, is the, it is the seeding of any hope that there can be connections with other people. It is saying, there is nothing but the self. That's what fascism says. That's when you have a, an entire society that is organized where everyone has accepted the premise that there is nothing but the self, which is the opposite, of course, from the end state of cap communism, which is the universal understanding that the self does not exist. And that we are all part of a network of beings. And that we truly are one consciousness, even if we only perceive ourselves through very narrow apertures, I said it again, of that membrane. And that, and, and that we have to act together. And that the idea of competition... Beyond, any, beyond just signaling in the in play realm, in game theory, uh, as a way to like make decisions, is like gnawing on your own body. It's eating your fingers. It's cannibalism. 
the end state of fascism is now there's just you there's just your consciousness and then you can try to create a abstractification of a part of humanity a race a volk a nation that you can then imagine that you are suborning to that your consciousness it's like all right so i need people who can just be me uh so they're gonna have to look like me obviously they're gonna have to be white uh, they're going to have to speak probably the same language, although that, that's flexible. Uh, they definitely need to have exact same uh, sexual uh, weird hang-ups as I do. And they need to have a culture arranged around those. Uh, they need to be... And then, then I can feel comfortable. Then I can feel comfortable. I can't be comfortable in a world where I'm at any point at ease with others because others are separate and therefore dangerous. Others are dangerous. I have to live in a world that is negotiable because I'm not scared. It's trying to abolish fear from the other. And you abolish fear from the other either by embracing the other or by denying it. Embracing it is fact is the is the, the human the human consciousness is coming to terms with that awareness to bo- abolish fear, that kind of fear of the other. The other is to embrace it and make it the only guiding point of your life. And that means I can only be surrounded both in, around me and in a imagined community, as Benedict Anderson would call it, around me that is like me, so that I can feel safe. And they will argue, well, you can't have social harmony unless everybody feels safe. I would say, well, if you leaven alienation with uh, social, with uh, if you leaven alienation out of social existence, you don't have to worry as much about fear and, 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 and uh, anxiety, and so therefore you don't have to do that, really, and that that process over time leads to the bleeding out of anxiety about otherness, because we know that happens. It's not complete. It's not a complete process, but we know for a fact you observe it in your life. It exists. It's not all, and that's the other thing. You have to have a conspiracy in your head because what's making this stuff happen? Why is there interracial relationships of any kind? How can people get comfortable enough with other races in order to have any social intercourse? And the answer is, well, there's a cabal. There's Jews or there's uh, lizard people. Whatever cosmology you need, you need an intervening force to make that happen. The beauty part of being a fucking materialist, is a communist Buddhist type like I am, is that you don't need that. You don't need to say, oh no, that's what's making people, uh, 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 that's what's making people relate to one another. It's because relating to each other is all we do. And it's just a question of creating a world in our minds where we are not being guided away from our knowledge of interconnectivity by our fear of other, by our basal libidinal uh, instinct of seeking uh, pleasure, i.e. comfort, and that is often familiarity because it's soothing, or avoiding pain and fear, which are associated with uncertainty because we don't want to be attacked because what if we're hurt? What if we're hurt? What if we're killed? Well, if you really have reduced, not eliminated, you can't do that unless you transcend. So if you like get to just a more elevated point of lowering your a, a connection to yourself, you also lower that fear left threshold. But the thing about that is it can't be asymmetrical because if you lower it too far and the world around you is still filled with people like that, you will fucking get owned. That's what, that's what the class project is. It's bringing enough people to do things at the same time that you have leavened material alienation at a speed that allows for the accumulation of understanding across difference. The fascists, for many personal traumatic reasons, I mean, most of them were abused in some way by either the internet or uh, their parents. I mean, and the Germans, they're literally an entire country with PTSD, for Christ's sake. 
They went from being they had just they had just emerged from the idol of like the early modern romantic period. They were like walking around. There was a whole movement in Germany that people call proto-fascists. So these young people going out and like finding the like the German spirit out in the countryside, marching around. Uh, and uh, within twenty years, the, or within five years, it had been a, 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 a by the end of it, it had been fucking no, no. It was uh, it was like interrupted by World War World War One. In the middle of that, everyone's having a fucking picnic and. And fucking a giant chunk of their population died, and the rest came back traumatized. And then they immediately had a civil war that led to fucking the taboo, the, the taboo against national, like the idea that even within the nation there is a coherent self. No, that was destroyed. Why? Why the Jews? Why did I do this? Why did we do this to each other, the Jews? That's got to be the answer. It can't be capitalism. It can't be the system that sets up antagonisms in the first place. It can't be the system that drags our spirit out of us and leaves us bereft. And that bereftness driving us towards violent, uh, uh, heedless pursuit of some sort of personal opiate, whatever kind it may be, some sort of surplus of someone else's. And so we fight amongst ourselves for the remnant scraps while above all is consumed. And then we blame each other for the resulting conflict. Because I really think there is an observable, observable dialectical relationship between between social order and production that has led us, that is leading us through the human race coming into awareness of itself. And I think it went something like this. Bear with me. So we've got the first human social organs, right? Tribes, small tribes. And that's because, as I talked on a previous stream, when you talk about uh, sentient beings, you're not just talking about evolution as an individual survival of the fittest thing. That doesn't really make sense. It's only one dimension. That's like gene expression or something. Or, but, but what it's tied to, inextricably tied to, to the point that they cannot be separated, is social evolution. If you can, and, and so when environmental pressures come and conditions change, and that change is what spurs evolution, it's not just individuals doing that, it's the social order accommodating. And one thing that allows early humans to exist was social order, coordination. But how do you coordinate across the cap chasm of sensory? When you have no real, you don't have a shared world. You don't have a nation. You don't have concepts that you can just like plug and play into to tell the scary other things from the good other things. Because remember, we think, yeah, we're all humans, but we're also all other as much as everything is because we are the same as much as everything is. And so we have to have people we're comfortable with. People we can sleep around without feeling scared because you got to sleep at some point. And of course, the first is the family. Those are the people you're around the, much, um, the most and those are the people who's, who you can feel most comfortable with because you've seen them act enough times that you can predict how they will act in the future. And that is how you make choices as a conscious being. And so you've got the family, but then you've got across that the tribe. But in early days when you really still don't have communication and you don't have like complexity of concepts to share, the only way you can really tell is eyesight. It's like, who's in your eye view? You know, like it's something like 130 or something is the size of human uh, primate, primate groupings before they break up. Because at a certain point, if you can't keep someone in your eyes, you don't know what they're doing. If you can't, if you don't know where someone is at all times, you don't know what they're up to. And all it takes is one person to take advantage of that alienation from another to exploit it by deciding to oppress all it takes is one, and, and that, social, uh, 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 that social trust that's necessary for you to function 
as a social organism is eroded and destroyed. So you can't, you got to keep people in eyesight. What allows us to go bigger is communication, is symbols, narratives. We are able to communicate across the distance and that helps us tell friend from foe. And that fills in the gap so that we don't worry that the person we can't see isn't going to come and get us because I've talked to him. Or at least I've shown him the same rock pictures or something. And they have rock pictures in their thing that's the same as our... Whatever. There is a sigil. There's a sign. There is a connection there that fills in the gap of anxiety and lets us sleep. And, that is, and then those symbols turn into our first concepts, which arouse around the spiritual, the emotional, because we don't have an intellectual architecture for anything to be expressed as. We can only express things through emotion because we haven't even invented intellect yet. It's still, un you have to have language to have intellect. And so with language, you have religion. Because don't do something, why not? Well, because I'm like you, and you see, if uh, both of us are afraid of the other one, then neither of us will be able to sleep in front of the fire. You can't tell someone that. You don't have the capacity. Uh, or you and more importantly, you don't have the ability to know that he'll believe you. Because like, it's just really an intellectual argument. And like I said, these concepts aren't really extant yet. What you say is, it will anger a greater power than other, either of us. And if you act well, it will, that power will do you well. And since you live in a terrifying uh, uh, wilderness, that you are, when you're totally at the whim of seasons and, and storms and sun and moon and rain, when these things determine your life, of course you're going to just logically think anyway that this stuff is in charge. You tie that to behavior. That's what the symbolic order does. And so the first consciousness, that's the first leap a human has to make to resolve the contradiction of being one consciousness in a universe of consciousnesses and a universe period. One finite note, one finite point in an infinite expanse. We have to resolve that. The first resolution is, okay, I am whatever... I am, I am a thing, a self. These people are not self, but they are close enough to self that I trust them. But that means that you're going to be fighting other people because there's other people out there. There's, they have different symbols. They use different things. Uh-oh, it's time for a rumble. Uh, and eventually, once, you, once this pressure leads to, hey, maybe we could get an edge with some agriculture, you find some fucking wild uh, corn or something, and you've created settled societies, uh, that work, that distribution, that work, of dis that work has to be distributed. And how will it be distributed? Well, now it can, now, whoever is most adept at manipulating the symbolic order can basically determine who does the work. And who the hell would decide to do as much work as the other people? I'm over here thinking this shit up. Why the fuck should I be in the goddamn rows with you losers? Especially if my ability to manipulate the symbolic order gets bigger, stronger guys to, to listen to me. All of a sudden, boom, you've, got a, you've, you've gone from a priesthood to a kingship. And you've created a, a, a new social order that is predicated not on conflict between tribes but conflict within tribes among those who work and those who take, among who gets the surplus. Because now it is being unevenly distributed, which it had not been before. And that process creates contradictions that have to be resolved. And that is the litany that Marx talks about from 
from the slave society where, you, hey, all social contradictions can be resolved by conquering other people, enslaving them, and making them work. Great, now we don't have social contradictions. This is awesome. As long as there's an other to enslave and others to take stuff from, we can keep a social order and argue within it and create a political class and create abstract notions, all of which create this, hege this hegemonic superstructure of religion and civic uh, understandings and personal uh, conceptions of the self, all in alignment to maintain this system because we can outload it. Well, that system breaks down. Shit. Well, now we have, we've, we've lost the tech, and the thing that drives all of this is technology. The thing that drives this, the, the material lever, the Archimedean plane that's jacking this thing up, is technology. And technology will, over time, even though it's not a, a fixed rate, it will accrue. And as it accrues, it intensifies the ability to extract surplus and the complexity of the social mechanisms necessary to manipulate those tools in order to extract surplus. And that creates new social forms that become incompatible with the order that had previously existed. And that creates new social lines that create new classes that must then be resolved. And through this process, we got to a point where there were so many people that you could be theoretically aware of. And they had so much organization themselves that conquest is no longer the, way, the only the way you can deal with things because uh, uh, you will destroy each other. So you have to accommodate others. Fuck, how do you accommodate someone? This is, an, this is the end of my fucking web of empathy. It, it's, it ends at whatever the hell social form I have. But our complex economy now requires us to trade because everybody is geographically bound and that means that they're bound by the resources in their geographic area shit they gotta trade them how are we gonna trade them fuck shit and that means we gotta trade them within our society which had been like refounded on like the feudal order which is just sort of like reasserting like a, a, a tribal tribal uh familiarity but hierarchically arranged in order to generate surplus which means that even though it's stable over time it becomes unstable because it's generating conflict and that creates the liberal self in which, oh, there is something called the human race and we are all at a metaphysical level equal. And that's where we've been. And that's the, that is the mind, that is, that's the, the conception of self under capitalism. That's the, that was the big inflection point away from, uh, 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 you know, grouping, abstract grouping around symbols, which was away from tribal uh, connection to like people actually in your vicinity. But now we're at the end of capitalism one way or the other. And that's why I look at that, I look at that trajectory and I look at our trajectory and I say, even if it's not likely that we're going to get to socialism, it is the only sane and moral pursuit because it assumes that there will be another inflection point. When the, when the complexity of our networks of technology and our interconnectivity and the, our awareness of our interconnectivity as humans and our ability, and this is the hard part, this is the real fucking pull of distributing pain more evenly, which we have not done well. And that's one of the reasons we're at a crisis point and it looks like we might break towards barbarism. If we can write this and change that flow and distribute some goddamn pain, we could get to the final inflection point where we recognize, oh, no, 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 no. It's not 
there are other people that are metaphysically the same as me, but different from me, which is the liberal self, different from me, therefore with distinct motives, uh, at best ends, uh, 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 earnest desires, like that there's a conflict, that there's inherent conflict and, and that's the liberal self. And that's why liberalism and capitalism are inextricably linked from that perspective. Because if that's the case, if everybody is separate and unknowable, is, is a black box, like we are to them, then we can only exchange across an agreed-upon platform, a market, where we use things like money to stand in for value and exchange value. Because how else are we supposed to deal across that void. The final, the fi and it is the final one, because this is like the teleological endpoint. The final one is a recognition. Oh, fuck. No, there's no distinction. It's all in my head. And I'm not going to ever be able to get rid of it, but if I'm aware of that, it means that I cannot privilege my own advancement, which means that I can't fucking hoard surplus. I can't make others work for my fucking uh, bread. I can't do it. It's a crime. And if you have enough people, like I'm saying, is you have people with these understandings all through history. It's a question of getting enough people, getting to that inflection point of numbers within the subset of human beings. And then you can coordinate at will. You don't have... Their, distrust is not threaded through because alienation isn't threaded through. And, you, and that flow that I talked about, that capitalism necessitates, that global flow, that I would say all, the, the global flow, like people who hate the idea of globalism because they hate neoliberalism, they're missing the forest for the trees. That flow is necessary. How the hell else do you have like a planet with a planet's worth of resources and a planet's worth of people distribute? They have to be distributed across the entire globe. It, but the thing is, that's, that's far in the future. You know, you can't get fixated on that. I'm just saying is that's the end point. And you need an inflection point, and that happens because you leaven pain with, with ease and, that, and technological advancement, which, which intensifies our, our awareness of other people. Like, the invention of the novel, people say that the novel is a reactionary, uh, 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 inherently reactionary form. And I would say now it is. The novel is a reactionary form now in the sense that it reifies that sense of people being separate from each other, and it reifies a ton of just, like, bourgeois expectations within it. But... At the time that the novel arose, it was incredibly progressive because the novel told people, those other people, in their head, it's the same shit, man. Your head and their head have the same things in them, the same desires. They don't have them. They're not, they're not different. And when you have that realization, you can't treat them. Now, that doesn't mean that you immediately, oh, we're all going to do, everything's going to be great we, because there's still exploitation, which means we might have a metaphysical understanding of ourselves as equal, but then there's the profit motive. And that's where slavery and things happen. Slavery happens because it's like, man, we got a lot of plant land to clear here. And the only way that we can make this make money is if we just get, exploit the shit out of people's labor. Like, we have to leave them with nothing. Because the amount of money you would have to pay someone to do plantation agriculture, specifically shit like sugar, by the way. Sugar, sugar uh, plantation was one of the worst places you could appear in human history, like... Like, like the fucking Roman silver mines and, uh, and uh, fucking sugar plantation agriculture. But it's not like fucking indigo and tobacco and cotton were fucking uh, walking the park. The amount of money you have to pay someone to do that would wipe out profit. 
So you and and so you can't pay them low amounts of money because they would say no. They have to be bonded. And how are you going to bond someone with a liberal conception of the self and a liberal conception of others? Well, yes, metaphysically the same, but not really. Look at that kid. Look at and and skin color is the first one, first one. And then from that you build a whole world. Well, you know, they don't think things as deeply as us. They don't have the feelings. They don't, they have, they're ruled by animal passions. And, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're at some point they'll get, to, and that's the thing, like, now we're at an end point of, anni of, uh, of annihilation. Like, now our Nazis, our fascists are all, I would say, because they're bending away from liberalism back towards a feudal conception. And they're like, uh, they're, they're faced with the crisis we're in, and they say, because I'm going to focus on the self and I'm going to fixate and reify the self only. And since that means that that is incompatible with liberalism, because liberalism is breaking down, because capitalism is breaking down and it can't be sustained anymore, uh, I'm going to go with tribalism. Neo-feudalism? Sure, I'll take neo-tribalism. And you'll just be reinforcing the destruction. Everything, and because everything that made you that pissed off and alienated and miserable is what's going to be intensified under neo-feudalism. But so now they're all, they're all eliminationists because they're all, yeah, no, these guys just have to go because they aren't the same as us because we have science to prove they're not the same as us. Antebellum slave owners mostly didn't talk that way. They generally said, like, slavery is instruction. And one of the ways you know that they didn't think that is because they had sex with slaves all the time. They raped slaves. And it was socially acceptable, too. Richard Mentor Johnson... Uh, who was, I've talked on, about him, he was the vice president under Van, Van Buren. He caused the scandal by marrying, uh, basically, as like a common law, I think, uh, a slave and having kids by her. That he, and he, she was his, uh, like, sort of second lady, unofficially. And that was a huge scandal. He had to drop out, or he had to leave office. He wouldn't have been able to go to Washington with, like, a horse that he fucking married. You know? Like, people fuck animals sometimes, but it is wildly frowned upon, which was not the case in the antebellum South. There was a lot of sex, uh, of, of uh, slave rape. There's a ton of slave rape, which means it was socially accepted within certain circles, which means they knew they were fucking human beings. They defined them out of humanity so that they could extract massive profits, the only way you were going to clear that land and make it profitable. And then people can point out, as they like to do, yeah, but slavery eventually became unprofitable. It's like, yeah, but at that point it had created a fucking entire social order that didn't know that or care about that. It wanted to maintain itself. It could only be destroyed from outside or from an internal con contradictions erupting, which could have happened. Slave rebellion was inevitable. Slave rebellion was inevitable in the South. If you want to talk about how they, if they'd won the Civil War, slave uprising was not in any way out of the question. Especially when you consider how the course of the war loosens slavery to the point where if they could have gotten it back in the bottle, it would have been, that jar would have been tough to fucking put up. And that's it. It's like you either resolve the tension or the common classes are ruined in annihilation as everyone turns towards the worship of the libido at the expense of their understanding and their consciousness of their interconnectedness and inter interdependentness. And so that's why I say there is only one moral course. It is a point where, because I know it's possible. Those guys can show me IQ charts all they want. It's meaningless. It's all social. It's all, it's all gossamer. It's all self, it's self-hypnosis. It's, dare I say, cope. Uh, it's it's self-hypnosis to, to, to uh, 
to justify with, with reason that God that they, they worship, even though they are fundamentally irrational psychos. Because if you deny human interconnectivity, you are irrational. You have been mystified by the fucking superstructure around you. I, I don't I don't buy it. Your power you have no power here. I'm Glenda the Good Witch, bitch. There is one human race. There is one world spirit that is the that is the point at which the human species come into awareness of itself the way a human does individually, because all things are nestled within one another and a tesseracting in and outward. As nestled phenomenon. Why would there be another thing? There's one and zero spinning off of each other. That's the universe. Where's the third thing you're imagining? And that means that that is resolved or it's destroyed. So resolved or destroyed. The way that when antimatter and matter come together, they are destroyed except for the remnant. And that's the synthesis. That's the end of history. So when our when our technology, the technology that allows us to know each other more intimately and understand other minds more deeply and, and structure our imaginations to embrace the reality that, oh my God, one follows two follows three means I plus them plus everyone is humanity. Uh, or the flip side, the double edge of the technology sword where, oh, Technology allows me to extract surplus without having... Because if there's two guys on an island and one guy wants to work and the other one doesn't, the problem for the other guy is he's got to hold a gun the whole time if he's got one or he's got a spear or something, right? He can never sleep. He needs somebody to, like, spell him watching the other guy. You need that. Which means that eventually you will destroy... every. If, if, if someone else has to do the work, and they do because I don't want to do it, and I am the only thing that matters... And I can put justifications a million miles on top of that. But at the end of the day, I don't want to do the work. Because who wants to do the work? Work sucks. But if work is collaborative, if work is understood to be constitutive of society, if you are considered constitutive of society, then you're not accumulating uh, pleasure and pain along an axis of personal uh, sensory experience. And you can cooperate, and, and that gun can be put down. There's no social enforcement. And that's what's so funny about like leftists who embrace culture war the way that the right does and and just get off on separating people uh and most importantly internalize this logic whereby you can have no self-interest like white people the necessity of them to be anti-racist is just for other people if your life is worth worse well that's good you deserve that your life should be worse even if it encourages capitalism even if it doesn't do anything to destroy the systems that create inequality and misery in the first place well, you should feel bad. Why? Because they're not doing what they do because they really think that there's one social fabric that they're part of. They think having a social fabric, communism, is good for me. And so they would never want to get rid of their ability to uh, feel good about themselves just vis viscerally, just uh, build up their ego. And that means, of course, as a white person, I would never think of being racist. I would never... I, I think of my privilege all the time. Yeah, because it gets you off, in the sense that it validates you. But that's only because you've assembled, in your mind, and assimilated certain cultural values. 
that are usually because they go to college and things like that. Because if you act that way, whether you know it or not, you're driving this whole process towards a critical juncture, the socialism or barbarism point, and helping us be carried off into the abyss. I think that was pretty good. That makes sense? Oh my God, I went 60 minutes, 70 minutes. Wow. Yeah, I will be on the stream tonight. Oh, all right, I think I'm going to go. I probably should just leave people on that one and to stew and not like confuse people by talking about normal or something. So I'm going, guys. Bye-bye.